Welcome, Blues, to episode 19 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Today on the pod, I'm delighted to be joined by Colin Savage, a.k.a. Prestwich Blue. Hi, Colin. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm great. I, uh, I'm, I'm the proud possessor of a signed Kevin De Bruyne City shirt as of yesterday. Green with envy. Also standing in for our very own Queen Victoria, we've got Vic's dad, David Gregory. Hi, David. Hello, Mike. How's your day been? Smashing. Okay, guys, well, we're doing squad rotation tonight on the BFTB pod, and so we're giving Walter and Victoria a well-earned rest. Let me start off, guys, by reading you what Paolo Fonseca said at the end of the game. He said, we have to admit that City were better, much better. They won in good style. Our players tried to play well and keep the ball, but it was not enough to stop a team like City. We couldn't do much against City's quality in this game. They played superbly in the first half. We had more possession after the break, but it wasn't enough to threaten such a team. Okay, we'll start off with your overall impression of the first half. Colin? Well, I think I'd go with Pep. It was a fantastic first 45 minutes. The intensity was there from the start. We were absolutely all over Shakhtar. They looked shell-shocked. I from about 15, 20 minutes in, they looked completely shell-shocked at what had hit them. And if we'd shown that sort of intensity in the first game, we'd, we'd be on maximum points now, I think. Well, I couldn't possibly argue with anything that Mr Fonseca said. We were irresistible. It surprised how long it took to break through with all the possession and all the dynamism that was there. Uh, and it was purely a matter of time. But you always fear that one break away, one silly mistake somewhere, and suddenly for all your possession counts for nothing. Uh, and it is a fear that we don't get enough of a return for the possession and the chances we create. We should, you know, we really in that game, in that first half, we should have been probably three or four up. That was my fear as well. I'm a City fan since 1978. I'm not happy until we're 3-0 up. Were you thinking the same as David Cullen, that despite all of this great play, they were going to nick one and, uh, you know, it would be all for naught? Uh, yeah, that's always a fear. Even when you, even when City are two up, we always say at the game, even two is never enough. And we do, we have had the uh, tendency to relax a bit when we've, even when we've been two up. So for me, you're right. Three. I start to relax a bit at three, particularly at 70 minutes. But yeah, um, and Shakhtar, as we said in the, in the preview pod, where, um, after the, the last Premier League game, these are not bad teams. Leon, Hoffenheim and Shakhtar, they're not bad teams. There's always going to be that danger that they will snatch something if you don't have a big enough lead. David, I was pretty impressed with Shakhtar Donetsk, and um, I had to laugh out loud, actually, at one tweet I saw on Twitter while I was watching it. Someone came through and he said that the uh, Shakhtar Donetsk team looks like a combination of uh, Ukrainian gangsters with crew cuts and Brazilian guys with great flair. And I thought, yeah, they look fast and they look dangerous. Were you impressed, David, with Shakhtar Donetsk? Uh, I was impressed with them in the second half because they... They really did have a go. I mean, it's the classic game of two halves. I felt really pleased. Our defence had a workout, and Board Edison actually was able to do something. There's a couple of <laughs> interventions that, that he made. Didn't do our defence any harm at all to be put under some sort of scrutiny. As Colin was referring to the, the chat we had last week, you know, they'd scored a lot of goals in the Ukrainian league. And all right, you could say, well, it's not the same. But, but, you know, goals are goals. And 
any of these teams have qualified to be where they are in this competition. So we, we cannot take them for, for, for granted. And I think Pep probably learned that valuable lesson. Um, but I, I don't blame Pep for Leon. It was just one of them things. 3-0 away to a team that, good caliber team. It's an well, they've, ne- they've never been beaten by another English team on That's home right. soil, have they? So it's an exceptional result, yeah. Uh, guys, yeah. I think we might have launched a monster here because we, we gave a shout out to at board Ederson and a couple of things have happened since then. <laughs> Number one, he's now got more than a thousand followers. I don't know if that's, yep. if that's uh, due to our patronage, but um, there's another one out there called even more board Murich. <laughs> and um, if we're responsible for that, long may it continue, I say. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, you know, the, the answer is we play Murich against Fulham uh-huh. uh, next week. Yep. And we put Edison in midfield. If we're doing quite well, <laughs> 20 minutes to go, we bring Edison on in midfield. And uh, Colin, you were right. We we were the first English side to win away at Shakhtar Donetsk in European competition. But uh, one thing I noticed quite early on in that first half, Colin, is that uh, Raheem really had the skinning of that right back, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. I've rarely seen him play with that much kind of verve and abandon. It's usually Rosane is the player you associate with skidding fullbacks. Mm. Uh, and Raheem tends to be uh, less of the whiz past the fullback uh, type of player, but, but tends to come in more centrally uh, and be a bit cleverer with the ball. But yeah, he was going past the fullback. Uh, he had the beating of that fullback quite easily. It, it was really intriguing, really good to see him actually take a fullback on. On the outside, he beat him for pace and then come inside and, and kind of dribble past three or four Shakhtar players and unfortunately couldn't get a shot away a couple of times. But yeah, that, that was a, a nice side to his game that we've not really seen a great deal of, I don't think, before. What did you think, David, when you looked at the lineup? The lineup to me was fine. I mean, he's, he is clearly selecting players for specific games. Nico came in for this one and did very, very well. I would never presume to question what Pep is doing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a world of opinions and lots of people have opinions, but you know what they say about opinions? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he's the man for me, and if he chooses somebody to do that job, then that's good enough for me. That was as close to a, a standard Pep lineup as you'll see, really. I mean, Gabriel Jesus getting a game was good to see because I think he does need games. But the interesting thing for me was not, not particularly the lineup, but how the defence interchange. And it's much more interesting watching it on the TV because you get a better sense of it you do watching live at the ground. There were times where we were operating as a back three with Mares as a wing back uh, and Mendy on the other side. There were times when we were operating as a standard back four. There were times when one of the centre-backs would go forward and Fernandinho would drop into the spot. And, and it was fantastic to see the way that, regardless of the lineup, the way the players all understood the different nuances and how to interchange and when one was doing X, the other would be doing Y. You know, and this is Pep's third season. So I, you know, had expected to see this sort of thing, but it was wonderful to see it on TV in front of your eyes to see players who just knew exactly what to do at every different part of the game. And it's made the defense a lot stronger. 
Guys, just to remind everybody about that lineup, if you haven't seen the game for any reason, it was uh, starting off with uh, Board Ederson, of course, and then Stones at right back, Otamendi and Laporte, Benjamin Mendy, then uh, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva and Fernandinho, the midfield trident, and then up front, of course, Mares on the right, Sterling on the left, and Gabriel Jesus through the middle, Sergio Aguero being given a rest. Now, here's a question for you, David. Is uh, Raheem Sterling better on the left? or on the right? For me, on the right. But it's fantastic to see that he can perform on the left. I mean, I, I like him through the middle as well. I mean, he's, he, when, he, when he doesn't have to think mm-hmm. too much, when he hasn't got a lot of time, that's when you see him at his best. Uh, the, the sheer pace, it must be absolutely... When I looked at those uh, Shakhtar players, they looked stunned. The, 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 you know, the, we knew these players were good, but by heck, we didn't think they were that good. Um, and it must terrify them. And you, you're trying to mark a player, then he disappears, and somebody else takes his place, and they switch this around. And they, they obviously work extremely hard, our team, with all the interchange and all the things that. But and it, it's always options. You know, when the player on the ball, there's more than one or two options for him as to how to pass it. And sometimes, you know, you pass it into space, and a player automatically appears there to take the ball. It's how many I said last time when we spoke. You know, to, to actually see that quality of of a team is all you can do is sit back and admire it. We were barely three minutes into the game. Benjamin Mendy gets down the inside left and puts a cross into the penalty area. And then with his back to goal, do you remember this point, guys? With his back to goal, yep. David Silva manages to control it. He does his kind of overhead kick, bounced off the top of the bar. If that had gone in, would that have stood? I think so, yeah. No, I don't think he was offside for that one. I didn't actually check, but he didn't look to be. The cross seemed to catch him a little bit unawares. I'm not sure he was expecting it. Or it, it wasn't quite put uh, in the right place because it took him... You know, a second to react to it, which kind of left himself in the wrong position. But no, I don't think it was offside. It was a good start, David. It was only a couple of minutes later, I think it was, that uh, Sterling got on the ball on the left touchline and he sprayed this pass out to Mares and teed up Kevin De Bruyne for the first time. And he had a whack at goal, but unfortunately just got deflected into the arms of the goalkeeper. But I'm sure you're pleased to see Kevin De Bruyne back. Does he look back to his old self for you? In that particular game, yes. Kevin's got sterner test than that, but he's he's ready to play, and his enthusiasm will bridge the gap until we get that match sharpness that we often talk of. Yeah, I mean, he looked about seventy-five, eighty percent to me last night, but it wasn't hundred percent the Kevin De Bruyne we know. Yeah, but it will be soon. A couple of minutes later, we had the first attack by Shakhtar, and it turns out that Benjamin Mendy can actually defend. And a lot of people have yeah. been questioning that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's one of the notes I've got, that defensively, he was excellent last night. Uh-huh, that's right. I think it was a run through the midfield by... these. They've got lovely names in this team. This guy was called Wellington Nem. He ran through the midfield and he got stopped by, um, by Mendy, but we were back to it. Two minutes later, it's Raheem Sterling again, up the left. His cross is put out for a corner, and City take it short. De Bruyne whips a cross in. The goalkeeper has to concede another corner. Raheem Sterling was very impressive. Sustained pressure is building up. They're whipping in cross after cross from the left flank towards the near post. And, you know, Shakhtar's defence was rocking a little bit. They finally, they got a little bit of uninterrupted possession round about the 13th minute mark, but Fernandinho put a stop to that. Lovely pass by Gabriel Jesus between a couple of defenders. So 15 minutes in now, still no goals. Guys, just wondering, this is a little bit of a pattern, isn't it? In contrast to Liverpool, their sort of blueprint is to come out with shock and awe and 
do you in the first 30 minutes? It seems to be taking City, as good as they're playing, about 30 minutes to get off the mark. Uh, does that give you any concerns, uh, Colin, first, and then David? Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, around the kind of 25, up to the 25-minute mark last night, you saw people panicking on social media. Oh, it's not going to happen. It's going to be one of those nights. And I was sat there thinking, we're going to score. If we carry on with this, we are going to score. There was nothing. Obviously, it was a little uh, frustrating not to see so many good chances. And the one you talked about, uh, Gabriel Jesus was fed through by David Silva. And he just took a one touch. Perhaps he should have shot first time, but he took a touch. And it went kind of slightly off at, at an angle. There was the Mares one where, where, where uh, he was through and he missed the far post. Then it was a fantastic block by one of the defenders. But I, I'm thinking, if we keep up this sort of pressure, we are going to score. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's a bit of a curse scoring too early. Well, I think on a match-by-match basis, when Shakhtar didn't, I've got to say, Shakhtar had not set up not to lose because it's in these things it's important that you win. But in the Premier League, when you've got teams that come to, to our place... And their their sole intention is to nick a point. Mm-hmm. You you take a little time to break them down. Now the Liverpool shock and awe. If you can, as as Pep had already identified, if you can get beyond that, they've got nothing else because we're at it all the time. And if the goal comes in the thirtieth minute, I mean it was the seventeenth minute at the weekend, the first goal. But you know the goals are coming. It is just waiting for it. Well, the, the, the Shakhtar guys were running themselves ragged, throwing themselves and, you know, surrounding the player in possession. And, and it is difficult. It's, it's much, much easier to get in the way than it is to get good passing. So all you've got to do is get your foot on it, get your backside, whatever, disrupt it. And they were very, very good at that in that first half hour. One of the things for us is we had... Three different scorers last night. We have five different scorers on Saturday against Burnley. And I worked out we've had 12 separate scorers so far this season in, in the three competitions we've yeah. played it. Uh, it. It's not like if Aguero's not on fire, the goals aren't coming. Or, exactly. or, you know, for some teams, if one player's not playing well or you, you double mark him, nothing happens. We can score inside the box, outside the box. And that, that's one of the things that Mahrez has brought. In. I mean, he wasn't really never got one. Of, he got one on target, which was blocked. But he's prepared to have a go from twenty-five yards. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Sterling and driving into the box. You've got. I thought Gabby Jesus had a, a great first kind of quarter of the game. He was involved in everything. He was so energetic. Um, the goals can come from anyone, anywhere, at any time. Coming up to the half-hour mark, we were in complete control, and we'd had Sterling causing mayhem on the left. We'd had two chances for Riyad Mahrez, neither of which came off, and then we got the goal. On the 30-minute mark, the ball rolls towards Sterling on the left, and he plays it across the edge of the area. I think it was Gabby Jesus who took a shot did, first. Yeah, took a shot, yep. And uh, could you talk us through the rest of that, Colin? Yeah, as you say, it was that uh, Gabby Jesus took a shot. He didn't really catch it properly, but it sort of cannoned off a, a Shakhtar defender. And David Silva anticipated it wonderfully. And as the ball kind of, kind of looped and fell, he just took it first time across the keeper and into inside the post. And, and that's the, I guess, what, one of the things I wanted to say was David Silva, he was the captain, obviously, but he was a real leader on the pitch last night, which he... I've often thought he's not always been in the past, but he took the lead last night. You could see him. Uh, funny, I was watching that goal, 
and he's directing, the, almost like a policeman directing the traffic. He was telling um, Sterling where to put the ball, and uh, and he was ready for it. Um, he couldn't get a, that captain's armband to stay on his arm, though, could he? No, 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 no. Obviously, uh, obviously, he was designed for someone a bit beefier than him. <laughs> <laughs> David, uh, four minutes later, this time Benjamin Mendy galloping down the left, and he produces this rising drive that forces a save out of the keeper. It's getting ridiculous now. The 35th minute, one minute later, David, we got the the second goal. This is Laporte. David, could you maybe talk me through that one a little bit? This is a very, very rare occurrence. This is City scoring from a corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a chant that I lead often when I'm in Chicago. Every time we get a corner, we score from a corner. We never score from a corner. And here we go. We score from a corner. And, and with them, and they've always been a bone of contention for me that a player like last weekend, player on the edge of the box, when the ball is headed out, deal with it. Uh, but no, it was, it was a, a very, very clever header. And again, it's thinking that just that fraction of a second, loop it over. You know, and he, he really had to be acrobatic in many ways to get his head on that and, and cleverly steer it in. In fact, when you said we score from a corner, I laughed. Because I think it's the move started with a Shetar corner, if I remember rightly. And um, Fernandinho basically won the ball in the city box. It, uh, passed it to Kevin De Bruyne who then played it out to Mendy on, on the left. That's when he advanced. And again, you know, the great movement of the team, it, they created that gap for him to move forward. And uh, he let fly. And that we got the corner from which we scored. Well, that all started in our own penalty area. Well, it's the speed of the break. I mean, it's screaming at them to go, go. You, you tend three or four players forward. It, it was 15 seconds from the corner being taken by Shakhtar to their goalkeeper making the save. Yeah, and it that's... bounced about a bit. Uh, yeah. Because one of, one of my criticisms of the City defence last season and before was, when the ball's in those dangerous situations in our box, defenders sometimes did, did show the commitment or intensity to get on the ball and clear it. Yeah. Uh, and they'll look at each other, and one will be waiting for the other to do something. Uh, and someone will nick in or they'll do something stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and last night, that was a great example of defenders taking the initiative, you know, taking charge, winning the ball and making sure it was used. Uh, And I say it was 15 seconds from taking that corner to the goalkeeper making a save at the other end to to give us the corner we scored from. But that was involved about five seconds of the ball, five, six seconds of the ball bouncing around in front of our box before Fernandinho took control of it uh, and, and got it to Kevin De Bruyne. But, but that pace must have frightened the living daylights out of those players, the Shakhtar players. They're just, you know, they're hairing past you and you know nothing yeah. you can... uh, There was another one when um, Sterling, when Sterling had that shot earlier on that kind of went, he, he took the extra touch. And that was another phenomenal break where all of a sudden you've got four players. And at one point it was four on one, virtually. It's wonderful to watch, isn't it? I know it's like, it's like seeing a bunch of angry ants, uh, you know, all over an anthill at times. And I think that the next sort of significant thing that I've got noted down was Gabby Jesus uh, curling the ball over the bar from outside the, the Shakhtar penalty area. This was uh, the 43rd minute, I think. The argument was that he had better options to his left and his right. But this is interesting. Gabriel Jesus, he didn't score last night. He hasn't, well, he hasn't scored in a while, really, has he, apart from one for Brazil. But I can't find it within myself, really, to criticize Gabby Jesus. 
Jay, because he worked so hard. He really led the line very well. Guys, what did you think? Well, I, I thought he had a certainly started off well and he finished well. And it's that thing, but he seems to have the yips, as the golfers call it, in front of goal. Mm-hmm. And I think possibly he's trying a little bit too hard and, and having to think about it when the ball comes to him. Now, I think part of that is because he's not had a consistent run of games. And if you think about Edin Dzeko, was a bit the same. Edin would come in for an odd game knowing Aguero was perhaps first-choice striker and he would be trying too hard or um, because he knew he wouldn't be there next week, for example. But um, Gabriel Jesus just seemed to be having to think about things, uh, being a bit hurried a couple of times last night. If Aguero at some point will need a rest, he'll get injured, and he'll get a run of four or five games and he'll start scoring again. It's always a challenge when, you you know, in theory, he's your number nine, leading the line, but you don't play him as a traditional yeah. number nine and you don't play balls into him as a traditional number nine. The wingers, they're in and out, they're swapping around. His support play, it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. You know, he'll take the defender yeah, yeah. out, as he did for Bernardo's okay. goal. Yeah. You know, took of the player right out of the way, and it, we just need to get a goal under his belt so he can settle down. But he's, he's a, in many ways, he's still a raw talent. So, guys, we come out for the second half. There's been no substitutions, no changes. Guardiola's uh, pretty happy with that. Fifty-first minute was the first time uh, Ederson was significantly called into action. Um, I don't know if you remember this one, Colin, but this is um, a guy called. Ismaili, and he has a strike at goal and it forces Ederson to um, parry the ball clear. Do you remember that one? Uh, just about, yeah, yeah, yeah. He parried mm-hmm. it off to his well, he, left he was side, the I think. Mm-hmm. player. He was the left back. He, he offered the biggest yeah. threat at that point. Two minutes later, Raheem Sterling in behind the Shakhtar defence again. But um, yep. yeah, do you remember that one? It was just the poor touch. His poor, uh, well... Again, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just, just seemed to have, last night anyway, he seemed to have gone back temporarily to that state where his first touch is not always um, a great one. Mm-hmm. And he, you could see he tried a couple of times to, to get get it in control and get his body between the ball and the defender, but he didn't quite manage it. Um, I, th- I think he was worrying too much about his positioning rather than looking at what was ahead of him and just concentrating on having a shot. I think he will have been incredibly frustrated by his own performance. He, he wouldn't need, doesn't need anybody to tell him. I mean, you could see in his. No, 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 you could see, yeah. The next one, guys, there three minutes later, Riyad Mahrez this time, and this time he controls a ball that's dropping down onto him. He's got a quite an adhesive first touch in contrast to, to Sterling, but he hit the side netting with that one. Uh, it just didn't seem to be Riyad's uh, night. Uh, no, it wasn't, to be honest. You know, he had the, the best shot he had was that in, in the first half. That involved that incredible block when he had, the shot had beaten the keeper, but the um, the defender got in, got his leg to it uh, somehow. But yeah, it wasn't quite his night. Um, he was dragging it wider than post. But I say that the great thing he gives us is he gives us that little bit extra. Someone who's prepared to have a go from 25 yards, yeah. particularly you know we've seen Kevin De Bruyne do it, but he he's had a clear path to goal. I mean, we think the goal against PSG or the goal he scored against Chelsea with Mares. There can be six or seven players between him and the goal, and he can get it, you know, past them and into the top corner. He's got an amazing amount of... He's found his confidence, because he's prepared to have a go. You can see Pep was so keen to land him. Yeah. And and he will be. He brings another dimension to our forward play. Um, And he is not... I was a bit concerned about his temperament, particularly when he, you know, spat his dummy out. When he didn't get his move in the winter, um, 
And I thought, well, you know, do, do I want a player with that kind of temperament? But I'm glad he came. He's, he gives us a, a completely different... Uh, and he, he can move around, and he'll, he'll play others in. At the weekend, there was some lovely interplay with him uh, to get round in a triangle. I, I think he's started star to, to shine for us. Uh, Colin, we had our first uh, little warning shot across the bow, as it were, on the hour mark. Uh, they have this player called Matt Bianco, and a lot of guys on Twitter were going, is that, Bianco, uh, yeah. are they saying Matt Bianco, the 1980s? <laughs> okay, guys, uh, three uh, pop quiz question here. Can you remember Matt Bianco's famous song? <laughs> no, it was it was a song called Get Out of Your Lazy Bed. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, they had some funny-sounding yeah. players' names. One guy contacting me on Twitter saying, do you have a player called Ballbag? And I was going, no, 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 that's, that's, that's Ballbot. Ballbot. And they had Matt... See, when he came on, he did some good work. Yeah, and they, of course they had Alan Patrick. They, they had another guy called Dentinho, which means little tooth. Kind of a bit ridiculous. That did, that did amuse me, yeah. <laughs> okay, but anyway, just describing this uh, sharp chance. So where uh, Matt Vienko sends in a cross from the right... And then we had uh, who's the person who's regarded as their most dangerous player, uh, Junior Morais, has the same surname as um, Ederson. And he got across uh, to aim in a header, but it was just wide of the upright. So City just got a little bit of a, a little bit of a wake-up call then. Well, um, well, well the second well. half was very different, wasn't it? Because I think we had something like, what, 70% possession in the first half. Yeah. Uh, that was almost reversed, and I saw one stat that they'd had 60% possession to our 40 in the second half. Mm. So uh, I don't know whether it was they came out with more intent or we just perhaps, having got that second goal, we, we relaxed a bit. But I, I've got to know that you know, on 70 minutes, we were still uh, pressing quite... We were still pressing quite hard. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think you've got to give them credit in that second half. Yeah, for I think a much Von, improved performance. Yeah, I think yeah. Fonseca had given them a rocket at halftime. Guys, wasn't it wasn't it a, a great shame that uh, Zinchenko, who had done the yeah. press conference before the game, and and who had apparently had bought the tickets for twenty seven family and friends, and he wasn't even in the in the eighteen. That was tragic, wasn't it? That was mean. That was uh, mean. <laughs> okay, well, sixty um, third minute. Uh, sorry, sixty fourth minute. I think is Alan Patrick is on now. We talked about Alan in the last podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's into it. He's uh, into the thick of the action. And of course, you know, Shakhtar, you know, getting more into it now. And City fans are getting nervous now. And um, Kevin De Bruyne is is substituted. They bring on a, a, a little bearded chap called Bernardo Silva. I was just wondering, oh, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if he can make an impact here. Guys, how long did it take Bernardo Silva to get involved? I mean, bullets leave less, guns slower. Less than 90 seconds, wasn't it? Describe that one for us, uh, Colin. Well, yeah, um, I've got that. Um, as I say, we're still pressing. They're coming at us, and Fernandinho won the ball. Bernardo picked it up quite deep. He played a little one-two with with Morris, who was out in the wing, and he start he starts to come forward, and, and, and Jesus does this incredible run across the front of him, which opens up the space, which which wasn't really there before, and it was a bit like the parting of the Red Sea. And Bernardo just goes into that space which Jesus has created by dragging a defender away and just plants the ball just in off the post. And he's so reliable, Bernardo, isn't he? I mean, if he'd said last season uh, that, that David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne were going to be out, you'd be panicking. 
But, but you look at Bernardo, and he's got a bit of both of them because he's got that clever ball skill that David Silva has got. But he's also got, and that goal, that goal last night was a, a bit of a Kevin De Bruyne with him coming forward confidently with the ball and unleashing a shot. Yeah, so, David. Yeah. I think uh, David. I think Walter would call that a snooker shot. It's just arrowed into into the goal, and it, it comes off comes off the cushion into the pocket. What did you think yeah, about that it, that goal, David? Oh, that was stunning. It, it, it was a team goal. It was it was that blistering breakaway. You know that suck them in a little bit, give them a little bit of confidence, almost let them have a go at you. Defense could do with a bit of an outing. So, and then you know, I've had enough of this now. Let's go and finish this off. But it's the mark of a confident player, and, and that's what Gabby needs is a goal or two to, for his confidence to grow. You know, Bernardo knew exactly what he was doing, and off he goes, and he knew where he was going to put it, where the goalkeeper had no chance at all. Very, very hard to find a player who you could say, well, he could have done better, or he could have done better. You know, uh, I think, uh, Colin, I, I don't know if you did this, but that caused a lot of City fans to breathe out some relief, and a lot of us... Uh, started watching this game of ping-pong that was going on between uh, Hoffenheim and Lyon. It was like going, you know, 1-0, 1 it ended up 3-3, and that was a good scoreline for us, wasn't it? Yeah, because I was watching, obviously watching, watching our game on the TV. I had the United game on my iPad, and, <laughs> uh, of course, I was watching the score from the Lyon-Hoffenheim game, uh-huh. and, and it was 1-all at one point, and then Lyon were, were 3-2 up, and I thought, I can't see Hoffenheim getting the third goal. Of course they did. So, I mean, that was the, the icing on the cake. Well, uh, and the cherry was seeing Edison come out to play in midfield. Oh, that was beautiful, wasn't it? <laughs> just, just after when we went 3-0 up. I'm not sure they got away with that when we were 2-0 up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I counted at one point, there were five of our players behind him. David, what, what, one thing I found was really fascinating. There's 10 minutes to go. We're in complete control. There's no way Shakhtar are getting back in this. And then we make a substitution. Kyle Walker comes on for John Stones. And before Pep lets Kyle onto the pitch, there's getting this really lengthy tactical tutorial. And I'm thinking, for goodness sake, there's only 10 minutes to go. You know, <laughs> and, and you're thinking, that's Pep, isn't it, though? Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the man is, I mean, extreme. I mean, I say hard to please, but he's not hard to please. But as long as you do what he asks you to do. Mm-hmm. And it's simple enough, go and do this, go and do this, go and do this. You know, and it was almost like, don't do anything daft, lad. Just go out there, hold it, you know, back into your normal position. But again, it's, it's, you know, management of the team, rotation of the team. We've got a tough game coming up on Monday. Um, you know, let's, let's be careful. He knows what Kyle Walker's going to get when we go to Wembley, um, from the Spurs fans. Uh, so he, he's sort of, giving him a little bit of a run out, stretch him off because he didn't play at the weekend. Have a go. And it's it's involving. It's involving as many as you can without any risk. 84th minute, so four minutes later, there's there's a wonderful bit of play by Sterling. Intercepts a pass on the left, cuts mm-hmm. into the penalty alley and jinks his way past three Shakhtar players. Yep. Shapes to shoot, but he just runs out of room. Did you oh, remember yeah, that one? I mean, Did you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely um, incredible. It shows the level of confidence um, that he has now. And I think I, I think this is what I'm saying before. In, in, we've not really seen him having the that his confidence or instructions, but to see him take players on and go past them 
is 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 fantastic because it shows his level of confidence and it shows his just ability as a a player. And particularly, I think David said it before when he's not thinking about it, when it's instinctive, uh, he's a staggering player. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And guys, I saw another little interesting Twitter comment that I got last night. And uh, you you remember Arsenal under Wenger at times they were accused of unnecessary extra passing in the opponent's half and and not sticking it in. And we got a little bit of criticism for that. Lovely little tweet. Is Riyad Mahrez the antidote to us pissing about in the opponent's yeah. box? <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, that's what I said. He'll have a go. Yeah, yeah he he's will. Not, he's not one for messing about. If he's got sight of the goal, he'll have a go. And that's another and kind of another tool in our box, isn't it? You know, people expect us that Silver, Sterling, Aguero, De Bruyne to be doing all this little interchange on the edge of the box. And then you've got Riyad Mahrez 25, 30 yards out. He'll have a go. And, and all of a sudden, their kind of um, problems are doubled. Because you've got to think about the players on the edge of the box on their movement and Riyad Mahrez 25 yards out. Who'd you mark? But the key thing here is his percentage of success from that distance is high. Here, you hear, shoot, shoot. And I say, you know, no, Pep, won't, Pep doesn't want you shooting from range because you're giving the ball away more often than not. Whereas at least when Mares does it, you know, if it's not in the goal, it's a save and potentially a corner or a bump. <laughs> but very few are actually encouraged by Pep to shoot from distance. Uh, Colin, everybody... Was trying to wonder, was there any significance in that strange celebration by Laporte? He's doing this, crossing his arms over things several times in different directions. Wondering, was that a lodge thing or what was he doing? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people trying to work out what was that like some kind of signal to his, his brethren in some fraternity perhaps, or? Perhaps he's just not quite as good as these things as uh, Pogba and Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should send him to, um, you know, Old Trafford, Carrington for some goal celebration dance training. Okay, guys, we're coming towards the end now, but we can't leave you hanging without a little bit of a preview of the Tottenham game. David, um, how do you feel? Tottenham, uh, of course, they are they're still up there, and um, on their day they can be impressive. Of course, we bested them easily last term. What do you think? Are you are you confident going into this game at Tottenham? Yeah, at Wembley. Right. Um, I think we, uh, it's going to be a toughie, um, because they are, they've got over that little sticky spell they had. They've, they've played, they've drawn tonight, but I'm confident we can do it, but I wouldn't say supremely confident. But looking at those last two performances, but we know, to, as, as, uh, was once said, Many times. It's a funny old game. That's the beauty of our sport. How do you feel, uh, Colin, going into the Tottenham game? Will they give us a lot of problems, do you feel? Or do you feel every team will give us problems? You know, I'm still at the old school. I never go confident to any game. Um, they gave us problems last season, but we cope with them. I think we're better this season. The thing that worries me, um, we've got six days rest, of course. You know, we, 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 we played Tuesday night uh, and we're not playing until Monday night. I think the thing that worries me and a lot of other people is, of course, there's an um, American football game on the pitch at Wembley the night before, the day before. That's right. So the pitch isn't going to be in the best state it could be if there hadn't been a game for two weeks. A good pitch helps us. Of course, it, it'll be the same for Spurs as well. They are doing OK at the moment. <laughs> I think he's got a good squad together. But I think they are they are doing a bit of an arsenal. They, they do appear to be a bit mentally fragile. They're throwing away leads. 
I, they were a bit unlucky to, I did catch the game tonight. I think they had a goal disallowed, I couldn't see why it was disallowed uh, for offside, but it was against Kane, who wasn't um, active or interfering with play. But of course, um, Lloris made a complete arse of himself. I uh, don't know what, what the hell he was doing, but got, got a red card, but of course, he's eligible for our game on Monday. So, so the thing that worries me, you know, we can go with Spurs, but the, the thing, we've got enough rest. The thing that worries me is the state of the pitch more than anything, I think. David, can you just uh, remind our listeners, what is the one thing that makes a Man City victory even more sweet? Oh, it's when United lose at the same time. Now, guys, I've got to read you. This was the funniest tweet I've heard in a long time. Now, you remember the whole thing about United and they're turning up late. They turned up late again. The traffic in Manchester at the moment is absolutely appalling. Mm. There, there are roadworks on key... It's bad enough at the best of times. There are roadworks on three or four key arterial routes. Uh, and people were saying it was taking them two hours to do a 20-minute journey last night. Uh, mm. So, you know, obviously, when, when there's a match on, it, it, it's even worse. That that just adds to the traffic. Colin, but, but, they, they, yeah, they were, they were 250 mean, metres away. 250 yards away, yeah. How could they, <laughs> how they could not get there? It, it shows the scale of the problem, actually. But how they could not get... They could have walked quicker. In fact, Reno did walk the last last few yards, but... Um, Guys, are you ready for this? This is going to kill you. This is this is a tweet from a Twitter member called Pep Talk eighteen ninety four. Here it goes. He says, "In fairness to the rags, if the coach drivers keep turning up with an A to Z of Manchester, they're not going to find Old Trafford, are they?" <laughs> they came further away. I know. <laughs> the mitigation was, I think. The reason why the press aren't making more of this this time is because apparently Juventus turned up late as well. And so oh, um, they got away with it. Another uh, little tweet by our friend Board Ederson. Board Ederson says, normal service tonight. Seriously, I might start doing some charity events over the next few minutes. <laughs> and he says, next week I'll sit in a bath of beans. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got some action tonight. He I was got... listening to a, a, another podcast and they have, they're running a little competition. Suggest a good book for Edison to read during games. That would be uh, Nigel's <laughs> one, right? The, the Man Nigel City Rothband, Show. Yeah, the Man City Show. That had me howling. Before the game, of course, Pep came out and said that City were not ready to win the Champions League and that everyone needs a push. And we need a push not only from the manager and the coaching staff, but we need a, a push from the fans as well. Now... A lot of people have reacted to that, but I thought that's just, that, that reminded me a lot of, do you remember Roberto Mancini when we were chasing down the 2012 league title and we were about five or six games out, United had a goal advantage and every time Mancini was being interviewed, he said, no, we're not going to win it. We're not going to win it. And I, I just thought he was doing that to just basically try to lift a lot of pressure off the players, but you might have thought of that differently. What did you think, Colin? Oh, it's a difficult one. Yeah. I mean, he's previously been manager of uh, Barcelona and Bayern. Both those clubs had a record of success, domestic championships and the Champions League. There's a sort of arrogance, if you can use the word, that comes with that. Now, we've kind of fallen short in the Champions League. Uh, well, we fought, you know, we failed to defend our Premier League title twice. Uh, we haven't shown that sort of arrogance. We've shown perhaps we're a little bit complacent or a bit, we're a bit nervous or, or can't deal with the pressure or whatever the reason is. And I think we haven't shown that arrogance in defending our title and, and knowing we're the best. Because of our, our travails in the Champions League, I, I think we've not got that elite attitude that the players think, well, I, I'm only guessing, but of course, but it doesn't seem to me like we've got 
that elite attitude among the players that think we can win this or we're entitled to win this. And it, you know, we're a bit unlucky last season. I think you know, uh, with with VAR, we might we might have won that quarter final against Liverpool. We might not, but um, it, it's almost as if the players. Rather than expecting to get to the, at least the semi-final or the final, they're expecting not to get there. So I think part of it is about developing that elite mentality among the players that they're not, they feel it's their right to be in a Champions League final. With the fans as well, you know, you look at Liverpool fans. We could talk all night about Liverpool fans. They expect to be in the final of the Champions League. All the jokes about the, you know, the, the, the famous European nights at Anfield and whatever, they felt it was their natural place to be in a Champions League final. And then it's a bit of a generational thing, I think, among our fans, in that the, the older fans like uh, David and myself, we're still perhaps a bit wedded to the idea of the FA Cup. So if you offered me one of these hypothetical situations, you offered me an afternoon at Wembley for an FA Cup final or a Saturday night in Madrid for the Champions League final, I would probably go for the FA Cup final because I'm an old traditionalist. But a lot of the younger fans brought up on the glamour of the Champions League, they want the Champions League. To them, it's the ultimate competition. And of course, that's what the ownership wants as well because that increases our profile as a club enormously. David, let me ask you about this as well. I think it was a couple of seasons ago that Pep started talking about the concept of heavy shirts, you know, in the big games in the Champions League against entitled five or six teams that have all won the competition before. He's talking about having the mentality really to stand up against. Do you think that City suffer from a lack of mental fortitude, I guess? I would put I don't it. think so, no. And I, I mean, it's not the teams that won. It's the clubs that won. You know, and it, those those teams are different from those teams. Football obviously moves around a lot. Um, we beat Paris Saint Germain, knocked them out. You know, a few years when we got to the semi final. Mm-hmm. Um, the first leg of that semi final, we showed Real Madrid far too much respect. But we did you know, against Barcelona two seasons ago. We absolutely yeah. ripped them a new one. Absolutely, six seven that night. Yeah. Now, there's also an element of reverse psychology. If Pep says, you know, yeah, we're going to walk this, or I really fancy my chances, then you get the accusations of arrogance and everything else. Um, you know, what he says to the press is not what he'll be saying to the players prior to a, a game. And, and, and we know that now, don't we? Yeah, from the yeah, Amazon Prime documentary. He's, he's a very, very bright guy and very intelligent guy. And you know, when you, you, you look at the press, any of the press conferences, that's the week's reports for all these journalists. You know, we, we've recorded that and then we'll use this bit on Monday, that bit on Tuesday, that bit on Wednesday. You know, we, you, you, a, a more or less throwaway line comes, it becomes a subheading, you know, that, uh, Jaden Sancho will never play for this club as long as I'm the manager. He didn't say that at all. So he's, he's guarded in what he says and quite rightly, but the clamour, is as much of the press the owners would like to, the fans would like to. But I think if you took a straw poll of fans and said, if you were forced to choose between the Premier League title and the Champions League, well, they would choose the Premier League title. That's our bread and butter. I think one of the things that the press are getting stuck into this issue, particularly for, is because Pep hasn't really you know, it got past the semi-finals of the Champions League ever since his Barcelona days. Obviously, there were three failures. Well, when I say failures, he 
I think it was three semi-finals, wasn't it, with Bayern Munich? And so they're, they're kind of making a little comparison between himself and uh, Mr. Mourinho. And they're thinking, well, you know, when's the la- you know, have, have you lost your touch, as it were? You know, what do you think about that, Colin? Well, I think what we said before, Bayern Munich, Barcelona used to winning. To use the United thing, it was in their DNA a little bit. Although I think with United, it was Ferguson's DNA. So, but City, I think we're a, we're more of an unfinished canvas. We, we've never had that expectation of success at the absolute top level. Do we need to get the fans to embrace it? In because they're, they're, they seem to be attacking us, you know, attacking us as fans for not showing up in droves, you know, on Wednesday night midweek games. Is there, is there something to what Pep's saying in, in that? Something needs to change with the fans. I still feel UEFA has a lot to answer for. But in that game last night, some of the decisions, some of the tackles that they made on our players went completely ignored. Not free kick, no nothing. Any infringement whatsoever by our players is a free kick. You look at the second game against Liverpool, where the first half we were all over them. There was an injury and three bookings. Yeah. And yet, referee stopped it, bang on, 45 minutes. Now, same referee that we had trouble with in the Monaco game. When you, you look at the, you know, the quarterfinal draw, there are three Spanish teams who all avoided one another and two English teams who were drawn together. You know, that's, I, I have, and then, then you go back to all the, the history of, you know, fair play. And as soon as David Gill's fingerprints were on fair play, I said, this will never end well for City. And and we do feel, a lot of fans, and I include myself in that, feel that because of our owners, possibly, that we are, they're looked at, we don't want City to win it. We'll do everything we possibly can to stop. And Paris Saint-Germain probably feel the same way. Now, guys, I think you realise how things have changed. Uh, David, with that quote from... Mourinho, after the game where they lost 1-0 to Juventus, he says, and I quote, to go to the Juventus level, Barcelona, Real Madrid, how can you reach that level? Manchester City level? <laughs> and oh my gosh, is this guy looking to get fired or what? Well, that's what did for David Moyes, wasn't it? His comment about exactly. he should aspire to be like City. It's when Pep was talking about the performance and he said last year was good. He said, but we've been together now for three years. We're a third season together. So we are going to get better. And I'm thinking, can you hear him, Jose? He's got to stay the time as you. He's got to stay. He's got to stay and finish the job. We've got to keep him. Yeah, we've got to keep him. But what, what made me laugh was when he said, you know, get, getting to Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester City, Juventus level. They've not even got to Watford and Bournemouth level yet. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, listen. I, what are, what is your preferred theory about about what Mourinho is doing? So theory A is this: he wants them to fire him because he he's got plausible deniability. He can say that the the board were not uh, giving him the signings that he wanted, and of course, if they fire him, then he walks away with that big payout. That's theory A. And theory B is by comparing United unfavorably against Man City, he's just heaping shame and scorn upon the, the Manchester United board, the, the idea is that that will shame them into buying him established players that he wants because he, he can't really train a player, can he? Can't get anything out of the players he's got. So yeah. what's he going to well, yeah. give him some more? What difference is that going to make? When we played them December last year at their place, you got a forward line of Martial, Lukaku, uh, Rashford, and yet they didn't attack on their own ground, 
Pinky Park the bus. And they only actually started to come out after David Silva had scored the first goal. And once it equalised, it reverted back to type. I think it's it's almost impossible to try to understand what's in Jose's mind because here's a guy, well, at, at the weekend it was reminding Chelsea fans that he'd won three titles with them. This last one, it was reminding Juventus fans, as if they give a monkeys, that he won the treble when he was at Inter. You know, well, so... Yeah. He's a man living, like Liverpool, he's a man living on past histories. And you've got, it's what's happening now, which is important. And I'm sure plenty of United fans are pointing that out to him. But I, I think he's, when, when I say he must stay, Jose must stay. He's got to stay there and finish the job of destroying that club. Well, that's, that, that, I was just going to say, that's the third theory. Because when he was Chelsea manager, he did say he was going to destroy Manchester United. So there is a theory that this is him carrying out that threat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But that he wanted. That was the job that he was very upset when Ferguson didn't choose him to be his successor. If you remember that that season, that last Ferguson season, when uh, Real knocked him out of the Champions League, he said in his press conference that the best team lost, wow. and that was his that was his CV on the table to come to United. And of course, they they, they didn't choose him; they chose Moyes. Um, so he's he's got the dream job. He just doesn't know how to do it. You know, the guy from 2004-2005 is a completely different animal. It was a breath of fresh air then. He's, he's not now. But his theory, him and Pep, almost at opposite ends of the room. Because uh, Mourinho's theory is, if we don't have possession, we can't make mistakes. He's quite prepared to cede possession to the opposition because he doesn't trust his team to do enough with the ball when they've got it. Pep, he wants 100% possession because he knows if you do that properly, the other team can't do anything with the ball. Two completely competing philosophies. I don't think there's any doubt which is winning at the moment. Well, there certainly shouldn't be. There was a wonderful... um, witty exchange between Duncan Castles and Gabe Marcotti at the Times and um, Duncan was of course uh, Mourinho's mouthpiece like you know the the, the guy in um, Lord of the Rings the, the voice of Sauron and um, Duncan Castles was bemoaning well you know you, Juventus got Bonucci and Ronaldo why couldn't we have got them and Gabe Marcotti said come on Duncan you know that doesn't make sense for United. To which my response was, how could Bonucci and Phil Jones not make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Blues, thank you for listening to the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Let's give a big hand to Colin Savage. Colin, thank you very much. Great. Yeah, it's been really good. And also making his second appearance was David Gregory. Thank you very much, David. That's been an absolute delight. Guys, you know something? If you keep going like this, you'll qualify under Premier League rules for a winner's medal at the end of the season. You know that, don't you? <laughs> oh, looking forward to it. I've got my Kevin De Bruyne shirt. I don't care. Okay, guys, the Bolt from the Blue podcast will be back again after the game against Tottenham. So until then, have one on us and up the blues. <laughs> Let's get the full out of the box as well.